Hi and welcome everyone. This is uh, Stephen Ridgway. And this is Sean Fitzgerald. And this is the Casting the Podcast for the 24th of May, uh, 2006. since our last it's one. It's been quite a while. It's been about a month, I think. That's right, yeah. It's becoming an annual podcast. But uh, we're back on board. We're here. We're all set up. And uh, what do we have in store for our, uh, our keen listeners today? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about what's, you know, what we're doing with the podcast as usual, a bit of podcast news. Then we're going to go and talk on about, talk a bit about uh, the projects we've been involved in. This is why it's taken us a while to get back. We've been so busy with all of these projects. Yes. And uh, our usual Web 2.0 watch segment, we'll talk about some news that's happening out there with uh, things that Google are doing and what Skype's doing and a few other bits of interesting news. It's relentless. They never stop. Yes, every time we, uh, we get set to do this podcast, more, more news and more information comes out. It's, it's quite a barrage, isn't it? Um, then we're going to have Steph's rant. And what are you going to talk? You're going to talk about Microsoft Live, a little bit about Microsoft. That's right, yeah. And then, then we'll have my rant and uh, a few things that I'd like to talk about then. Um, and then we have, um, then we have our. Uh, now we're not having an interview today because you did a, a, an interview with uh, Trevor Payne, and then that ended up being so long you've posted that to the Talking VT podcast. That's right. It's about 15 minutes, so yeah. Okay. Uh, so just quickly, do you want to mention what that's about? Sure. Well, uh, Trevor Payne's the head teacher of um, English and Communications here at Sydney Institute, and uh, he and I had a little chat about his use of uh, Moodle, the open source um, learning management system, to uh, deliver blending lo- blended learning for his uh, for his students. And uh, yeah, it's a really interesting little piece. I had to listen to that, and he's quite excited about the the changes that it's it's made in his teaching practice and, mm. and how helpful it's been to the students. So. So if anyone's interested in that, uh, go over to the Talking VT podcast, which is, uh, now what's the URL for that? Talkingvte.blogspot.com, I think. Yeah, it's on linked on the left, on the right-hand column of the Casting the Net. That's mm. right. So, um, and then we'll uh, finish up with, um, we do have uh, some fe- audio feedback from, from Dave Riley, one of our listeners. So That's right. We'll have a listen to that and see what he has to say. So, podcast news. Uh, we, the last time, many, many weeks ago, we implemented uh, the audio comments feature. That's right. And uh, we have had the one, David Riley is the, Dave Riley is the, the one sort of comment that we've had. Mm. And as I said, we'll talk a little bit about that later. So um, I think that's been the major change in the podcast, the way it's set up. So we encourage everybody to... Uh, to contribute via some audio feedback? Yeah, well, um, we're still working on the iTunes. I got a uh, iPod Nano the other day, so I might have a play with that, and we'll, we'll try and make sure that uh, casting that it can be subscribed to in iTunes. It can be found in the directory, and yeah, it's all working. That's right. As we go along each, each sort of session we do, we try and uh, promote ourselves a, a little bit further afield. So iTunes, here we come. That's right. Now, project news. We've been very busy. Now, going back to the 5th of May, um, it was the induction day for both the e-learning uh, networks project and uh, the LearnScope project, which is part of the AFLF. I was involved in the uh, e-learning networks project, which was held in Canberra um, for the what's been tentatively called the Web 2.0 Networks Learning Community. Um, and I 
gave a bit of a presentation there introducing the network and I also uh, gave a presentation with Wendy Zammett on the online mentoring network and, and what went well with that last year and just offering some suggestions and advice on how to mm. set up a network and, and make a network happen. Because that was a mentoring, uh, that was a, uh, a networks project last year, wasn't it? The online uh, yeah. mentoring network. Yes. So um, I have recorded that, and when I get a chance, I think I might uh, give that to you, Steph, to put up on the, the Talking VTA oh, okay. podcast. So you recorded that down in Canberra? Yeah, I recorded both the five-minute uh, presentation and the 20-minute uh, the one with Wendy. So oh, cool. I'll have a listen to those, and if they're, mm. if they're okay, we, we'll post them up to the Talking VTE podcast. And, uh, and what about you? How did your induction go, day go for LearnScope? Because you're involved in a, a LearnScope project. Yes, that's right. Well, um, this is the induction day for um, um, Learnscope New South Wales, and so all of uh, two members from each team. I think there's about um, 70 odd teams. I think all over the state uh, came to Sydney Institute um, and had a face-to-face um, uh, day in the morning. It was pretty much the uh, the standard Learnscope thing where there were the people. Well, it was about 80 people uh, attended. Um, and uh, had to talk about the overview of LearnScope. Um, Jeff Saul was there from the Australian Flexible Learning Framework, talked about that. Shane Dowd talked about uh, flexible learning toolboxes. They had presentations from the people who have individual LearnScope projects, and, yeah, just um, talked about that. And the afternoon was devoted to uh, hands-on sessions, so there were simultaneous streams uh, for, I think it was about four uh, workshops, uh, a couple of workshops on... Um, Web 2.0 type stuff. There was an introductory one done by Diana Cabaz and a more advanced one done by myself. There was uh, a digital storytelling workshop run by um, um, Robin Jay. Uh, and there was also a workshop on LearnScope for newcomers. It's more for people on how to get their project plans in and uh, how to write them and stuff like that for new, new LearnScopers. And then there was one uh, run by Shane Dowd on customising flexible learning toolboxes. So Pretty busy day, uh, but really, really good. And I've captured um, quite a bit of the um, uh, content that happened that day, and I'll be putting it up on Talking VTE so for people to be able to listen to it. It'll be really useful, I think, particularly for LearnScope, um, members of LearnScope teams that weren't able to attend, because only two people mm. could, but pretty much the managers and the facilitators really attended. Mm. Sounds great. So... Um since you've gone into that much detail, I might add that there were 20 at the um, at the networks induction. There were 20 networks there, and what I might do is provide a link to the various networks so people, if you're, people are interested in what other the other networks are doing, they can yeah. find out there. As well, well, if anyone's um, from a landscape project in one of the other states or one of the other networks, feel free to send us an audio comment. And that just, would be great. Uh, actually, tell us what's what, what's going on, what's happening. Yes. Mm. Um, that would be fantastic to see to, to get other people um, send us an audio comment, or um, you know, maybe we can even interview them. Yeah, we'll inter- Skype, yeah. Skype them, Skype perhaps them. interview them, find out what they're doing in their projects. So we're certainly open to. There's a lot of projects around nationally. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, um, um, I got sent a list of um, Western Australian projects, Learnscape projects, and there's some fabulous stuff in there. Mm. Yeah. So it'd be great to, to sort of cross promote other mm. projects. Which is a plug really for the national networks because that's what they're about, isn't mm. it? About networking all of the sort of VTE, e-learning um, uh, projects that are happening across across, the, across Australia really. Mm. So um, we also had, uh, talking about the, the Web 2.0 Networks learning community, we had our initial planning meeting for that. Uh, that was way back on the 2nd of May, which was 
my birthday and we also then launched uh, launched the project on the 16th which was, uh, was that two Tuesdays ago I think now mm. so we had an Illuminate session um, introducing the project and inviting people to become involved and uh, we've set up a, a planning forum on the online mentoring network um, for initial sort of planning because we're inviting the whole community to involved in the planning of what we're going to call it and where it's going to be, what sort of online presence we're going to have. And they can find that on the Edna Groups, can't they? Um, the well, OMN planning forum? Well, it's, it's actually on the online mentoring network, so they can go through it that way. But also, probably the better way to go would be to, to go to the wiki that I set up as the presenta- part of the presentation for the Illuminate session, the sure. launch. So um, We'll have a link to that. We'll, on have, that. we'll have a link to that so people can go and find out all about the the new network and mm-hmm. it's it's just basically you know, I think we've mentioned it before in this podcast it's about teaching people how to use web 2.0 tools and how to set up their own little personal learning environments using a range of tools aggregating content together linking together and creating informal networks mm-hmm. informal learning networks so um, it's been received reasonably well so far so it's fantastic it was a great launch yeah it was all done in Illuminate as you say and I went and listened to it last night and uh, yeah, Illuminate can be a bit funny sometimes, but once you've got Sun Java installed and um, if, you know, you click on it and up it comes. You you can watch the whole entire presentation, all the text chat, everything. It's great. And if the Illuminate session doesn't work for you for some reason, then there's the MP3 recording and mm. the wiki. You just follow along with the wiki. So. Well, that's right. And the wiki is a great list of resources too. Please come along and get involved and find out about how to use these Web 2.0 tools. Mm. And well, you haven't missed much, so it's just getting started, really. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it would be great to, to join that. It doesn't matter whether you're in another state or in a LearnScope project or, or just somebody who just happens to be listening to this <laughs> on the World Wide Web. Feel free. You're all welcome. You're all welcome. Um, now, the other thing that's happening, uh, I'm going to be... There's a, um, a June event, online event for, for the 2006 networking project uh, that's on the 15th and 16th I think, yes, and I'll be participating in a panel there with um, several other people Peter Robinson, Vicky Marchant, Clint Smith Ian Robertson and Carol McCulloch and we are doing a panel on e-learning 1.0 versus e-learning 2.0 oh, and we're right. currently in the process of uh, organising what we're going to do there, so... Um, and it'll be an Illuminate. It'll be an Illuminate, mm. yeah. So th- there'll be a lot of presentations there. There's also a possibility I might be doing another presentation during those two days. Um, but certainly I'll be involved on that panel. So if you're interested in finding out about That'd be cool. the difference between e-learning 1.0 versus uh, e-learning 2.0, come along. Mm. And before that, I, uh, I forgot to mention was that... Um, as part of the e-learning networks community forum, I've been asked to facilitate a uh, facilitate in the forum, which basically just means I'll be sort of posting a little bit about um, exploring social networking tools, which is the theme for for June. They have a different theme. It was audio and voice this month, yes. and uh, next month it's going to be um, exploring social networking tools and Web 2.0. So I'll be facilitating a forum in there. And also, as part of that, uh, Steph and I will be doing a, uh, a special podcast. We'll be inviting people to um, ask questions using the audio comment feature. We'll paste that little feature into the uh, Networks forum. And then we will take those questions and we'll convert it into a special edition podcast answering people's questions mm. about social software, social networking and Web 2.0. So uh, um, if you're interested, uh, you can 
go and join the 2006 eLearning Networks Community Forum. We'll provide a link for that. And that is, it's a great forum anyway for people to learn about, uh, uh, share knowledge about new tools and... and uh, it's a pretty active forum, actually. Yeah, mm. there's quite a few good discussions about various aspects of e-learning. Um, so, yeah, so that special edition podcast is probably the next thing that you will hear from us. Okay, so I think that's a, about it for, for project news. In, in other news, um, just a, a little bit of an aside... Stephen Downs has started blogging again. <laughs> so out of his hiatus. Out of his hiatus. Now, for those who don't know, Stephen Downs is uh, is a Canadian expert in the area of e-learning, and his ideas are fairly, I think, cutting edge, and, and certainly a lot of his ideas are uh, I subscribe to. So um, his blog slash newsletter is certainly worth subscribing to. He, he sort of posts out several items daily that he picks up. and All daily. Mm-hmm. Old daily, yes, and he took a bit of a break over uh, over so th- during the beginning of the year. I think he was um, not too sure why, but it seemed like he suffered a bit of burnout and was I'm not sick surprised of beating his head against a brick wall with a lot of resistance from institutions implementing new Web 2.0 tools and network learning models. So, um, so it's glad to see him back. He started um, blogging again on I think about the 1st of May he came back and he's back with a vengeance so mm. we'll provide a link to that and certainly as I said his uh, his newsletter slash blog is something that's worthwhile subscribing to he also has another blog I don't know if you know this Steph he actually has a secondary uh, blog on politics on Blogspot oh, okay. um, and it sort of has a bit of a I guess you could say a left leaning and he talks about sort of politics from a, a left perspective So did he continue to blog there? I'm not sure. I didn't look at the dates, mm. but it's just that he mentioned it in one of the um, one of his previous sort of posts on OL Daily, and uh, I went across there and had a look and was quite surprised to see that he did have another blog space that I was unaware of. I'll put a link in for that as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, he's excellent. Right on to Web 2.0 Watch. Yes, indeed. Google gadgets. Now, following on from the discussion we had way, way, way back when in our last podcast we were talking about um, gadgets and widgets. We've got... Uh, and these are small applications which sort of sit on the desktop that um, pull in information from the web, and that can be weather information, it can be RSS feeds, it can be stock market information, it can be a whole range of information. And a lot of different uh, companies are now developing these, uh, trying to sort of, I suppose, corner the market for these. So we have Microsoft have released their gadgets and... So. Yeah, who have released their widgets. I think Apple does widgets too. Apple does dashboard widgets. Dashboard widgets, that's right. And and news in recent weeks was that Google now has its... Yes. Well, Google Desktop really never took off, did it? I mean, it was was sort of a lot of people canned it in the Web2 community. Well, there's, there's that real question here about the conflict between... There's a shift towards... Um, people at being able to access these services online via a web browser, via any web browser mm. or via any device um, through such things as start pages like your um, your proto page and those have all the different widgets and, and um, little sort of applets and applications in them that suck information in from other services. So there's a sort of a, uh, there's a tension there between the two models. One is right. just do everything on the in the web browser, but then these other ones that we've been discussing, they're actually trying to bring these objects back onto the desktop. So Yeah, I, I don't go for it myself. I really don't. I think mm. it's a backward trend. I know that a lot of people argue that 
the desktop and having things rooted into the OS gives the applications a lot of power. So you're combining the power of the OS, the power of the platform, mm. with the power of the internet and RSS and aggregation and the like. But, uh, look, I really like the idea that um, it's on the web. I like the idea that I can go to a different computer and get my delicious um, stuff or I mm. can get my blog line stuff. I really like that. Mm. I'm not even a person to be that inclined towards desktop aggregators, mm. you know. So... Yes, it'll be interesting to see where it all heads. Um, if people are interested in the Google, uh, the new Google gadgets, we'll provide a link to that. Uh, basically, I think you have to you have to download the the, the Go- is it the Google Desktop the, with the Google search, and uh, yes. it has a sidebar yeah. as well that comes with it. And they've been talking about this for a while. I, I don't <coughs> use that myself, but um, for some people, they might want to sort of experiment with that. So we'll provide the link to that. Now, the other thing that Google are doing, uh, just this is very recent news, mm. is that they've finally released Google Maps for Australia. Yes, it's good. Yeah, I went in and adjusted my Frapper map because I was at least about um, 300 metres out. For an, I just had my address as uh, Mary Ann Street uh, in Ultimo, and now I can zoom right in on my building. I can actually see the building I work in, and I could move my little pin uh, to exactly on my building. You get your longitude and latitude to about six decimal places. It's horrendous. Like, oh, okay. Probably get it down to my chair. Well, we should point out that um, that it was always possible to get the satellite pictures, but you couldn't get the actual street maps maps overlay, and you couldn't do a search on street maps. So they've introduced that in, I guess, in competition with. uh, uh, what's the, where is dot com is yeah, the, is the big the Australian Tel- is Telstra's company. sort of I think Telstra <coughs> owns that and that's the Australian uh, map service but they don't have the satellite so it'll be interesting to see how they fare considering now Google has both the satellites and the maps and you can overlay the maps on the satellite which can be really handy I've noticed where I use where where is quite a bit actually and uh, I've noticed their interface has been changing a bit starting to look a bit a little bit more like um, Google Maps mm. um, style of interface it's not quite as flexible as the Google Maps because Google's is really cool the way because there's implementation of Ajax I suppose mainly the way you can click and pull the map mm. around that's yes. really quite cool so Ajax is sort of a combination of JavaScript, which makes pages very dynamic and live, That's which right. is one, sort of one of the sort of uh, technologies that makes all the new Web 2.0 tools happen. Mm. You mentioned Frapper Maps a little while ago. Do you want to quickly explain what you mean by those? Yeah, well, I suppose the thing about Google Maps is that they, they open up what's called their API or their application programming interface. So what it means is that you can design your own front end to Google Maps uh, and indeed your own application, and sometimes these are called mashups, so people will take a little bit of Google Maps, they might take a little bit of uh, Flickr, put it together to form some unique application, uh, web application. Um, a good example, I suppose, um, is Frapper Maps, where you can go in and you can create a group, and uh, people can join that group, and it's tied to a Google Maps, so everyone in the group, you can see where they're located on the map, so you get little pin pins pin what are, the, what are those things that you little pin, yeah, well, pin, pin, cush, pin, we'll pin cushions pin cushions on a um, map yeah and they're a great the frapper maps are a great way to get a sort of a sense of where members of the network are and you can also associate um, photographs with that that's right and so you can get a look at who's in your network and then you can take uh, the code and you can post either the map or um, a sort of scrolling um, slideshow of images, images yeah. onto your blog or onto your website or onto your start page, whatever. Great. 
Do you um, get many people asking you to join their groups in in uh, in Frappa? Well, it's interesting. About three or four. Yeah, because people are sort of using it as a bit of a marketing tool mm. um, to try and encourage. It's a, it's a way of promoting their not just networks, but also all sorts of products and services yeah. as well. And they invite you and think that by you know you becoming a, one of their friends that somehow you know, they're developing a relationship with you and hoping that maybe you might be more inclined to buy their product or service. Uh, so. yes. Yeah, well, one guy that asked me, he was in, in San Francisco or something, I went down, look, he's got about like 2,000 friends and I'm going, oh, right, okay. I mean, like, what's his, what, why did he ask me to join his group? It's just really bizarre. But, yeah, as you say, it's, there's all sorts of marketing things going on there. And it's becoming, it's interesting, it's becoming fully implemented as a social networking site, even though its original focus That's was right. on maps and, I think you can you can set up a blog there now. That's and right. I think you may even be able to instant message other people. It's like you, they really have all those social networking tools in there to make it possible for you to really connect with other people. And so it's almost like a one-stop shop for social networking. Well, that's right. For a long time, people use Frapper Maps as an adjunct to their own their own uh, places. I suppose like blogs is a good example. You you like the Taylor is a good example. The uh, the teaching and learning online uh, community uh, has a Google group. Uh, they have also um, a, there's a blog, isn't it? Teaching mm. and Learning Online, which is more Lee's blog, but it's certainly mm. connected. Um, and there's a frapper, a, a frapper group that's connected with that, and that's quite cool. And then Lee, who you mentioned, is Lee Blackall, who was mm. the sort of, I guess, the originator of the Teach and Learn Online Google group. Mm. Anyway, should okay. move on. Moving on, um, Skypecast. This was sort of big news a few weeks back. The, the capacity for, to actually go to the Skype website and create a Skypecast where you can have up to how many users? I think 100. 100 yeah, users. It's a bit out there. So um, the idea being that you can, you can sort of have a whole bunch of people online while you're actually giving a little talk. That's right. So I think you still have the five core people who can talk at once, but 100 people can listen. Mm. I can see it's got lots of applications. That's quite cool. Yeah, well, I actually had a bit of a go of it. Did you? Yeah, yeah well, what? let me tell you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, yeah, so I, it was, I went in there just to check it out, and what happens is they have... Um, uh, they basically tell you which which Skype casts are uh, open at the moment. I think at this stage it's pretty much in beta and um, yeah. and it's pretty open and, and no, you can't close the group. You can't can you? close no, the group. No. Right. So I went into one and um, what I found was that um, there there was no one there. Like it was supposed to be on and oh, okay. the moderator's sort of icon was greyed out and there was nobody there and I thought oh that's a bit weird. So I jumped out of that one and jumped into the other one. And the same thing, there was no one there, and the moderator's icon was greyed out. And I sort of said, hello, hello, and as I did in the first one. And in the second one, someone came back to me, and it turned out to be the moderator from the first one. Oh, so I was actually in... Trying to find their group, but they lost the lost. No, no, he was, in, he was in the other group. So he, as far as he was concerned, he was in the other group, oh. in the window for the other group. I was in the window for the second group, and, um, and yet I was hearing him from a totally different group. It's a bit of a way. Yeah, so it was, I found it to be pretty buggy. So I had a bit of a chat to him. He was, um, he was actually from, from the Webheads, which is a sort of oh, a right. group of people. Trust them to be there. Who, uh, who do a lot of things with um, you know, online educational stuff. And, uh, and so I had a bit of a chat to him. Um, but, yeah, it was very weird and very buggy. And interestingly enough, in order to join, you actually have to, down- to use Skype casting. You have to download um, the 
2.5 beta. Oh, yes. And I was a bit wary about that, but I did because I wanted to give it a go. Mm. And what I find is for, found is for the first time ever, Skype keeps crashing on me. I keep getting these really uh, ugly errors. Mm, I've seen 2.5 there. I've, I've, I've avoided it. <laughs> so I think it really needs some time to uh, to mature and for them to get get it organised. So I'm yet to know if it really works. So mm. I, don't, I haven't been in there with a whole bunch of people. But Interesting if it, concept. Though. If it does work, it will be... Um, I think it'd be great because if you can get 100 people, I mean, that's the absolute limit. It doesn't have to be, even if you had 20 people. Um, and you can basically, with this text chat, you can people can go out of the voice and you can bring another person in. And then you just keep rotating. So it could be quite an interesting thing to do, I think. And it, for, for teachers, it, it could present a great opportunity to... Um to present online talks and lectures. Yeah, absolutely. Combine it with other tools. There are other free whiteboard tools or other other ways of sort of co-surfing the web. Well, that's right. But we'll we'll wait to see if the technology sorts itself out. Well, uh, yeah, that's right. And they've had a few other little announcements. Haven't they Skype just recently? They're offering free um, phone calls to um, fixed lines and mobiles in the States in from the, Skype. From within the States, mm. yeah. yeah. So they've just made that free. It's called Skype Out, and previously right. you had to pay for that. But if you're in the States, you can Skype out for free. So mm. it'll be interesting to see if that sort, sort of spreads around well, the world. Right. Mm. Okay, moving on to other news. Uh, in the Web 2.0 watch arena, we have uh, an article that was out uh, probably a couple of weeks ago now, Warner Brothers and BitTorrent. Well, that's right, yes. Normally enemies, mortal enemies normally. <laughs> so um, Warner, the, the, the article was entitled Warner Brothers to Distribute Films Online. Now, um, BitTorrent is a sort of a technology that allows you to... It's a peer-to-peer sharing that's technology, right. and it's a bit different from your standard peer-to-peer in that normally with peer-to-peer you actually download whole tracks from other people's computers, but with this it breaks... Um, and that's if we're talking songs, it breaks the file up into lots of little pieces around the place and then um, basically you pick bits of the, the um, file up from various people's computers and then they get put back together again on mm. your computer. Amazing. Um, and this is very good for very large files, so people use it for uh, movies. And you know, a lot of people use BitTorrent to illegally download TV shows mm. before they appear here in mm. Australia, for example, mm. or movies. Um, so to hear that Warner Brothers is actually doing a deal to distribute legally, uh, to formalise the process and commercialise the process to distribute those films online using BitTorrent is quite exciting because I think BitTorrent's had a bit of a bad um, peer-to-peer in general has had a bit That's of a, right. um, uh, a sort of a bad rap because people have been using it illegally, but the technology itself is not illegal and it's a fantastic. No. Fantastic tool a for lot of people files. use it to distribute video, uh, you know, videos that they want to distribute under Creative Commons licensing. Mm. There's quite a few podcasters that distribute their podcasts through BitTorrent, if you want it that way. Um, and I think at the moment, even given the enormous bandwidth that you know, ha- you know has emerged, uh, it's still not enough to download our files. No. And particularly with uh, you know the emerging HD. Um, formats that are coming out, which is the widescreen, high definition, high digital, definition yeah. television. I mean, these files are just huge. Adorable. And yeah. I think this is what Warner Brothers is, is really recognising that realistically, they know they've got to distribute over the network, but they can't do it with existing methods. So they're exploring, I think, toe in the water. We know that technically this method is a fantastic distribution system, so let's trial it and see what happens. And mm. uh, HD is about hit in terms of DVDs, or soon we'll start to see HD. 
um, DVDs emerging, and this, you know, we won't go there, but there's you know, the big debate between HD and Blu-ray, but uh, eventually there will be some format that settles and people will start to get HD televisions, um, and people will want the content, and they'll be wanting it over the net. And I think this is a really great move because uh, similar to what Apple did, I think, where, where you know, prior to that uh, file sharing through programs like mm. Napster was sort of frowned upon and uh, uh, the, the record companies didn't like it. And uh, what Apple did was they came out and they said, look, you know, this is a new era and we need a new distribution model and a new business model. So let's set up a store and, uh, and legitimise this so that people can, can pay for downloads of songs. And so It's going to be a, a different version of BitTorrent, though. It'll be the same core mm, technology, yes. but it's not the one you download off the BitTorrent website. No, it that's won't be right. that one. Yeah, <laughs> It'll be a different one. It's not the, the same one, but I think it's just interesting that the commercialisation, the legitimisation of this technology will, is an exciting move. And it'll be interesting to see whether uh, you know the, the version that they put out will have, whether it'll have... Um, uh, what's it called, you know, copyright management stuff, mm. whether you can use that uh, iteration or that distribution of BitTorrent to actually distribute non-copyrighted uh, material, whether they lock it out. So it's got some, what are they called, digital rights management. Digital rights management. You, that you won't be able to distribute in any way with this BitTorrent. And, and the whole idea of, uh, the whole issue of copyright will take us to our next story. Indeed. Changes in Australia... The government just sort of, you know, got the pen out and rewrote copyright legislation in Australia overnight. <laughs> it's quite ironic, really, because up until recently, it's technically been illegal to record uh, music from your CDs or LPs or, to or even off the television. television programs or films. I think it might be a surprise to many people that they were actually committing a criminal act by recording their favourite TV show. Um, so they've changed the copyright law to um, to make it legal, but they've put some pretty weird restrictions on it. Um, you can only record it and use it once. That's right. And then after that, you're supposed to erase it. That's right. And you can only play it to family and friends, preferably right. in your own home. <laughs> that's right. Only in your own home. That's <laughs> right. Only your own home, I think. And then, uh, and then you know, you have to erase it. You can't give it to anybody else. And you were saying before, Steph, we were talking about this before, that it means that teachers aren't allowed to record programs and take them to their students. No, absolutely Play them not. to their students because no, you're not supposed to um, play it in any sort of environment like schools or mm. community centres or anything like that. So, and, and what they're doing is they're making the, um, the penalties for breaking these laws stricter. That's right. And so, you know... They're saying, okay, now we recognise that everyone's been doing this, so you're allowed to make copies. But if you don't ad- adhere to these strict guidelines, you know, we're going to chuck in the clink. We're going to get you. <laughs> we're going right. to get you. Yeah. No, well, that's interesting. I mean, and of course the other thing now is that you can convert your music to MP3 format and, and time shift it. Put it, on a, put it on the iPod or your MP3 player. So if you're allowed to actually, because before you weren't allowed to, once if you had a CD, you weren't technically allowed to convert it to an MP3 and put it on That's an right. MP3 player. And a lot of people wouldn't know that either. They didn't realise that they're not allowed to do it. A lot of people think, well, it's my music. I've bought it. Why can't That's I listen right. to it however I want? I'm not giving it to other people. I'm just listening to it yeah. using different... Um, different formats. formats. Yeah. I mean, I think we are talking about this earlier. I mean... If you buy it as an LP, if you bought it as a... Something like the Beatles. Now, it's conceivable that one might have bought it in vinyl as an LP, and then when CDs come out, you buy it again. 
and then when you uh, you uh, got your MP3 player, you went to iTunes and you downloaded it again, and like you paid each time for this thing. Mm. So you know, it doesn't uh, really make much sense. I thought it was interesting that um, on the same day, sort of, I found the article uh, on the Sydney Morning Herald that was copyright changes set to make downloads legal. Um, which technically isn't correct. No, that's right. <laughs> um, they don't mean downloads. They mean uh, format shifting. They mean that's right. saving to sort of your CD, converting your CD to MP3 files. But obviously, he wrote this wasn't sort of too technically minded because they, a lot of people think that doing anything on the computer where you move something from one place to another is downloading. But strictly speaking, downloading is um, taking it from the internet. Well, I did notice this though when it. In terms of audio, yes, you can do it. But when it comes to, to video, no. Uh, will I be able to copy a film from DVD to a portable player, like your iPod, for instance, <coughs> iPod video? No. The government will monitor the implementation of the new exceptions and review its scope in two years. So, uh, <laughs> no, the answer is... So they're really not really prepared for the changes that are going to happen because, you know, people are going to be wanting to access video through mobile devices. That's uh, right. It's going to be huge. Even something like, for instance, with the Xbox 360, people who are like, with with the emergence of what's called Windows Media Entertainment System, um, where you can have your computer and you can control all of the all of the uh, devices in your house wirelessly to listen to your to your content. So, if you want to watch a movie that you've that you've bought um, on your iPod. Or you want to look at it on your on your laptop, or you want to look at it on your on your widescreen DVD. You won't be able to do this mm. because the copyright says no. You cannot look at it. You cannot you cannot have it format shift it like that and look so at it across multiple so devices. Would that include you can't stream it to other devices? No, no, no. That's right. No, you wouldn't be able to do that no, under the current legislation. So that makes makes all these technologies that are being developed illegal, not illegal, but potentially uh, promoting illegal activities. Well, that's right. It's not that's very right. forward looking. At, I mean, they've really come out, a lot of people have really come out and sort of slammed slammed it. Now, I think you mentioned uh, that you heard someone talk about this. Um, the Twit guys, was it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They found it quite amusing. Uh, they're in Ameri- uh, Twit is um, a podcast in America, and uh, they talk about technology every week, and uh, they have often talk about copyright and, uh, and uh, digital rights management and what's going on there, and they... Found it. they were quite bemused by uh, by Australia's change in uh, the copyright legislation. So, yeah. oh, well, can we have a listen to that? We certainly can. So uh, I'll just uh, rack that up, and we can have a listen to what uh, Twit had to say about it. Wow, this is going downhill fast. How about this one? <laughs> yeah, we really uh, you got to come up with some real stories. Home man. recording made legal in Australia. You mean it hasn't been? Okay. Uh, music fans will be able to legally record their CD collections onto iPods and MP3 players. Apparently it hasn't been, which must have Aussies, Aussies have some brutal come a shock to all the Australian protection yeah. laws. Uh, yeah. You can't what you can't rip a CD. Uh, apparently uh, there will be new enforcement measures to combat piracy. So it's kind of one of those trade-off bills. Well, and they also made parody and satire legal. And that's about time. Using well, no, u- using copyright material for parody ah, or satire. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Well, it's, I mean, it's funny because, like, in theory now, if you ripped your entire CD collection... You'd go to and, jail. Yeah, and, you know, Warner Brothers snuck into your house and found Jeez. that out. They could, you know, sue the bejesus out of you. You know, it's interesting because I think the record companies in the uh, States also want that to be the case. They, I think they, they really feel like it should be illegal to rip a CD. Well, you know, they, if they could, they'd, they'd get first sale repealed so that it would mm-hmm. be illegal for mm-hmm. you to resell your CDs yeah. or anything like that. Just keep buying it. That's the idea. Well, you know... Yes, well, that's that's what that's how they that's how they reported that uh, legislative change in Australia. They've got bemused by it, I think. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think they were a bit shocked, and I'd say a lot of Australians will be shocked when they find out <laughs> the actual right. truth. So, okay, well, enough about that. How about we move on to uh, your rant, Steph? What 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 came across your radar? The, well, not this week or this fortnight, yes. but this month. Well. Windows uh, Windows Live. This is uh, Microsoft's big um, move into Web 2.0, and uh, they've been quietly going away, um, um, making quite significant forays into Web 2 Web 2.0. They've got this whole um, site, you know, WindowsLive.com, I think it's, it is, and uh, there you can have your own start page. So it's a bit like um, you know the um, Google's or Proto Page or um, this um, Net. Can't think of the other one. Netvibes. Netvibes, yeah, that's mm. right. Um, but they also are creating these um, web widgets, I suppose they're calling them, or um, um, little applications that you can use. And they've got a whole host of them here, um, some for uh, uh, Windows Messenger, Windows Live Messenger. It's a new iteration of the MSN Messenger, and they're going to have a version of that you can download. There's a Windows Live Search, which I assume you can search your desktop. Um, and there's all sorts of them. I mean, the best thing is to go to the uh, ideas.live.com, and there's a whole host of them. So I think they're hoping they'll just release a whole swag of things and just see what, which ones gain traction. Um, but they are serious about it. They have taken RSS on board, and they're really into Ajax there. They're really implementing it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how successful it is. Um, and one that they recently released, and this is the one that's the focus of my rant, is called Windows Live Shopping. And this was um, designed to actually replace, or it's aimed at replacing, uh, Windows Marketplace and MSN Shopping. Um, so you'll be able to, it aggregates, I think, 40 million products from 7,000 stores, ranging from you know eBay to Amazon, and it aggregates them all in, and you can basically go there and shop. And you oh. can basically, it's full on Ajax, and you can drag, okay, I want this book from Amazon, and I drag it into my cart, and I want this from eBay, I'll drag it in. So it's a very interactive, but Web 2.0, so you can see what your friends are buying. It's, it's all these sorts of you know um, social uh, networking and um, um, uh, elements built into it. But when they... I was waiting for the buts. <laughs> I wanted to know what the rant bit was. That's Where's right. the but? When they released it, you get this message. It doesn't work with Firefox. Ah. It's not Firefox compatible. I mean, it's just the most unbelievable thing. Not. So Firefox is the open source browser, which is slowly sort of creeping into market share against uh, Internet Explorer. Why would you release something to the web... How to get yourself... Offside with the Web 2.0 community. Don't mm. support Firefox. I mean, what does the message say? We're sorry, Windows Live Shopping Beta does not yet support Firefox. We're working on this. To co- we're working to correct this as soon as possible. Go to MSN Shopping, Firefox friendly. <laughs> like, mm. Anyway, quite amusing more than anything, but yes. So we should point out that 
Um, the significance of all these uh, live products from Windows is that um, they've been getting quite a lot of competition from Google and other companies who've been really grabbing the whole Web 2.0 idea, which, uh, you know, one of the main characteristics of that is web-based um, applications and services. So that, uh, um, you know, the theory being if that continues, then the operating system that you use doesn't matter. Well, that's and, right. and that could potentially make Microsoft redundant because its whole business is based on um, operating systems and also the software. And if you can... If it doesn't matter which operating system you use because you access all your applications online and you don't have to buy uh, Microsoft products like Office products because you're going to access those online, then that, that's a real threat to, to Windows mm. and, and Microsoft. And I think what we've seen is what typically happens with Microsoft, they're a bit slow to work out what's happening and then they throw themselves into it. Holus bolus. Holus yeah. bolus, which is what happened right back with the World Wide Web. They almost that's missed right. it. They they were putting all their money into the private Microsoft network. They, they thought right. that a high-quality premium content network was what people wanted. They didn't see the whole idea of the web and why people were into that, and uh, they almost missed the boat on that. And so this has happened several times. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, Windows Vista supposedly around the corner, but it keeps on being delayed. Um, and, of course, the new version of... Um, Windows Explorer, IE7, again, I mean, you can get it in beta, um, but it's tied to uh, Vista, Vista, so there's you know, real problems there. But anyway, we'll, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that and uh, uh, report back if, uh, you know, if there's something interesting to have a look at there. But mm. Okay, moving right along to Sean's rant. It's not so much a rant, but a couple of things just quickly that uh, came across my radar. In the last session, we were talking about um, attention deficit trait. Do you remember that? Oh uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I just decided I had a full-blown version of it. Which is, uh, you know, people basically having difficulty uh, maintaining attention on things because we're being bombarded with uh, information from multiple sources and multiple devices. So we, uh, so we had a link to that article in the last uh, podcast, and then. Uh, I just noticed since then, Time magazine had an article called "The Multitasking Generation," which was about sort of young people and how they're you know multitasking all the time. And we hear a lot of people like Mark Prensky talk about what a great thing this is, and we mm. need to sort of um, prepare for the net gens who are sort of growing up and becoming students. And it was interesting that this article um, actually took a bit of a negative spin on it, and, and there was a bit of a warning there. They they said, and I'll I'll quote: "The mental habit of do- dividing one's attention." into many small slices has significant implications for the way young people learn, reason, socialise, do creative work and understand the world. Although such habits may prepare kids for today's frenzied workplace, many cognitive scientists are positively alarmed by the trend. Some are concerned about the disappearance of mental downtime to relax and reflect. Mm, so, and you can't learn. If you, have to learn. if you have to learn something, you can't have too many inputs. Mm, so they're sort of saying, you know, there's a warning here that uh, maybe young people aren't learning to multitask as effectively mm. as, as they... Uh, they're just as not learning anything. <laughs> they're, just, they're doing a lot, but they're not learning anything. I'm sure so. there's a lot of parents out there going, I knew this all the time. I knew, I knew my child couldn't do the homework <laughs> with their headphones on and their instant messenger and the web on the background. I knew that. <laughs> I didn't need some psychologist yeah. to tell me this. But yeah. So it just raises that whole issue that I think they were talking about in the Attention Deficit Disorder article about the need to have some time out to, to reflect and, mm. and to really absorb knowledge and, and really think about what you're doing and if you don't do that you can it, it hurts the learning process mm-hmm. okay the, the other thing that uh, I wanted to quickly mention was uh, 
a book that's come out recently that's been quoted a lot called The Wealth of Networks. Ah, yes. How Social Production Transforms Markets and Freedom. And this book's by uh, Yokai Benkler, I think his name is. He's a professor of law. And, and this is, um, I haven't read it yet, but I thought I might just let people know about it. It looks like a fantastic book about the, uh, the impact of the whole networked world on society and how it's really going to cause lots of shifts in our institutions. It's very well um, articulated. And uh, there's a quote here that actually Stephen Downs uh, pulled out in his, that I got from his newsletter, um, just to give you an idea what it's about. And it says, The networked information economy improves the practical capacities of individuals along three dimensions. One, it improves the, their capacity to do more for and by themselves. Two, it enhances their capacity to do more in loose commonality with others without being constrained to organise their relationship through a price system or traditional hierarchical models of social and economic organisation. And three, it improves the capacity of individuals to do more in formal organisations that operate outside the marketplace. So it really talks there about um, distribution of power and distribution of wealth mm. and, and, and how people are are able to collaborate and network in ways that weren't previously possible before the internet. So it's a bit of a play on Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations. Oh, is that where it I comes don't know. From? I'm just speculating. to sounds right. remarkably. Uh, so um, very interesting book. And uh, when I get a chance, it's on the web, isn't be. it? I yes. It was, yes. Oh, it's yeah. it's free to download. Hmm. Yes, I should mention that it's free to download as a P- PDF. So it's hmm. it's a fairly hefty tome, but. Uh, um, what you can, can you buy it on Amazon? If you, you can buy it on you Amazon, yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, we'll provide the link to actually provide the link to uh, the book's homepage, and that has links to the uh, the PDF for download. Uh, you also download the H- or just view the HTML version, or you can go from there to Amazon and, and buy the book if, hmm. you want, if you want the actual book. So I think that's actually going to be quite an interesting um, yes book to watch. All right, moving along. Indeed, um, we should have a listen to a few comments. What do you think? Well, we just have the one, Dave Riley. Dave Riley, yes. Let's have a listen to the audio comment that he left us using the new audio comment feature. Well, boys, I just had to check in and see how this technology worked because I've been a keen favour of yours for some time. You uh, define my podcasting world a lot. So I wanted to see how this works, and that it's a very strange and uncomfortable interface nonetheless. (coughs) But... It seems to be doing the job, even though I don't seem to have much time available to me. But yes, it doesn't stop when it goes off the screen. Well, that's interesting. Anyway, I like the stuff you're doing. It's very informative and uh, it has a density that I appreciate, particularly as a non-geek person who is trying to negotiate a sharp learning curve. I'm still only basically in the podcast business and I probably stay only in the podcast business as a person who's developed that that focus after um, passing through blogging. But in one way, what we are asking of you two is to sift through all this stuff and now and then come up with some sort of formula we can apply and then maybe we can collectively test it out because there's so much happening out there in your... Uh, 2.1 perspective that it's very hard to work out well where do we start, what do we utilise now so we need some formatting and I think that's a key aspect of of the process at the present time Um, so it becomes a challenge of picking and choosing what suits relative to the requirements that we have set ourselves anyway, since I didn't say my name 
This is Dave Riley coming to you from Brisbane. And keep up casting, and maybe you'll catch a fish one day. Well, thanks, Dave. That was great. That's fantastic. One of our fans. Absolutely. One of our few fans, I think. <laughs> one of our few <laughs> regular right. listeners. Um, we should point out that Dave actually has his own podcast. He does indeed. He's got two, in fact. He's got one called The Life of Riley, which is uh, subtitled A Satirical Podcast at ratbaggy.blogspot.com. That's right. And the other one is Ratbag Radio. Uh, ratbagradio.blogspot.com and I think that's the one that has a that's quite a left um, political leaning mm. it talks about sort of uh, political uh, issues from, from a left perspective um, he also has a, a link to a forum I uh, found there where he's, he's posted quite a lot of um, uh, tutorials on podcasting, on podcasting yeah. in, in fact he sort of in many ways out, you know, surpassed us in, in his activities there I think so yeah, in the podcasting tutorials so uh, um, just got a lot of informative stuff there actually mm. yeah so well thanks for listening Dave we appreciate it and uh, keep listening and uh, hopefully you know you will keep getting useful information from us mm. I don't think we'll be spending I mean I'm not interested in spending too much more time learning about the process of podcasting than absolutely necessary so we won't be putting out any more um, tutorials or tips on how mm. to do that but certainly as we go along when we find new little tools and techniques like well, the, like the audio yeah. comments feature that we've implemented then we'll certainly experiment with those and let people ha- know how they go well mm. I think that's the end of the show indeed another one another and one in the bag how many minutes are we up to this time Steph 48 we're 48 <laughs> minutes gosh okay we, we really we, tried hard not to go over half an hour the last time didn't we? The last one was pretty long wasn't it that was over uh, an, hour. an hour and 15 minutes yeah. and um, you know, I think that's a bit of a turn-off for people, so we really need to try and... Why don't people send us a comment? I mean, that's something they could comment on, actually, the length, how yes. they're finding Please the length. Please let us... Well, mm. well, maybe they won't send us a comment because they didn't listen they didn't to it because it was the too end. long. They didn't hear this... Didn't, yeah, they didn't hear this bit. <laughs> yes. Um, but as we said with the last one, hopefully they could just split it up into two because we knew that uh, with all the projects starting that we would be a bit busy and there'd be a gap between mm. the two. We didn't realise there'd be such a gap, but... Uh, yeah, maybe the same thing can happen again. You can split it up into two, two listenings. Um, okay, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, the next show, as I said, will probably be um, a special edition for the uh, 2006 Networks so. Community Forum, looking at uh, social software and answering people's um, audio questions on Web 2.0 and yeah. social software. So think about that when you're actually in the Illuminate sessions and stuff like that. If you've got a question, just flick over to... Uh, well, this this special podcast will be happening before that, before the uh, before oh, the, before the sessions, okay. Yes, this will be happening just on the uh, the Edna forums um, and the asynchronous forums there. Oh, yes, of course, so that's right. That's right. Hmm. So, um, okay. Well, while you're reading it. While you're reading it, <laughs> think right. about that. Exactly. So our contact information, of course, it's castingthatpodcast.blogspot.com. Um, please give us your feedback and questions. You can either just post a text comment to the blog or you can leave an audio comment using the audio post as a comment feature. Um, and just be aware that if we uh, we might you know, use that in, in our next podcast. Um, or you can send us an email at ctnpodcast.gmail.com. Of course, all of that information is on the website. Indeed it is. And all the best. Till next time. Till next time. Goodbye.